Well, grace and peace in the name of Jesus, Christ is love church. Hey man, it is just so good to be with the Christian community on this Sunday morning. Uh, my name is Jacob Bell and I serve as the community life pastor. I get to have a lot of fun with you all. Uh, so it's just really good uh, to walk with you guys. Uh, go ahead and turn uh, to Luke chapter 10. Uh, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 3. Uh, we're going to be there in just a few moments. Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 3. Uh, but as you are turning there, I want to take a moment to do something special, if that's okay uh, with you all. Uh, as you all know, today is 242 Sunday. Uh, we really do. Hey, there it is. There it is. Uh, we really do believe in Christian community. We really do believe that 242s exist to connect, grow, share, and serve together in Christian community. But, but, but what you don't know, or might, maybe you need to be reminded of again, is that there are a group of people uh, that are strongly devoted uh, to opening up their homes. Their homes uh, are opening up for the gospel. Uh, they're opening up just to pray. They're opening up to fellowship. You might not know that there are youth leaders that are committed, not just to the next generation, but to the now generation that want them to know just the beauty of the gospel. You might not know that we have childcare workers that are loving on our kids with just such a deep love. So if you are a 242 leader in some capacity, if you're leading a 242 group, if you're leading in childcare, or if you're leading our 242 youth, will you stand so we can honor you this, in this moment? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Actually, I'm going to ask you to stay standing, and everyone else can stand. We're going to uh, read uh, Luke chapter 10 together. Luke chapter 10 together, verses 1 through 3. Uh, I'm going to read these three verses, and after I read, what we do around here at CIL is we, I say, this is the word of the Lord, and the congregation responds, this is the word. Um, uh, thanks be to God. Hey, y'all are helping me. Y'all are helping me. Um, the reason why I'm giving this instruction is I actually don't want you to say that. I want you to say, we receive this, Lord. I want you to say that. We receive this, Lord. So I'm going to say it first. This is the word of the Lord. We receive this, Lord. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. Verse two, he told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go, I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, thank you. Uh, for this moment. Lord, we recognize that you are the great sower. You are the one, the incarnate word of God who tosses the word of God to and fro. And we say in the name of Jesus that we receive your word. We receive your word and we're going to hold on to your word, but we're not going to keep it in this sanctuary. We're going to walk out of this sanctuary with your word, doers of your word. So, Lord, would you continue to do something in our hearts? Would you continue to do something in our minds? Would you continue to do something in our beings? Because we believe that your word renews our life. Lord, I pray. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable to you. And I pray that we will receive your word. 
We love you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. God is calling us and God is sending us for such a time as this. The title of this sermon is For Such a Time as This. At the beginning of the year, I told you that one of the things that I'm working on is practicing the presence of God. And guys, I just got to tell you, the presence of God is moving in our country, in cities, in colleges. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But I want you to know right now that God is calling us, every single one of us in this room, and he is sending us for such a time as this. Uh, when I was a college student, uh, I was just so amped up about revival. I was at Trevecca Nazarene University, and I really just loved the idea of what God was doing in the midst of my generation. I was so moved that there was this guy named Jeff uh, who encouraged me. He said, hey, if you really want to believe in the gospel going to the nations and the Holy Spirit, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit going uh, across, maybe you actually need to go and be where the nations are. Uh, and I was just like, okay, so where am I going? What country am I going to? He's like, actually, you're just going to another part of Nashville. The nations are already here. So he, he got me together uh, with a couple of my friends. We went to this apartment community called Stonebrook. And as some of you might know, there's a continual refugee crisis. And during uh, this time, it was the Syrian refugee crisis that was really strong. Uh, and he had a bunch of boxes of food. And he goes and says, hey, just go and give food. Just go and give food and be listening ears. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm, that's all I'm asking you to do. I'm sending you to different apartments here in this apartment community. So I said, okay, okay. Uh, so I got these boxes of food that I had uh, that he gave uh, to me, and then uh, he sent me to different apartments. I went to one door, knocked on the door, nobody answered. Uh, I went to another door, I opened it, I said, hey, my name's Jacob. Uh, would you like to receive food? Uh, and he said, yes, yeah. so he received food. But the last person, uh, the last box of food uh, I went up to, I knocked on the door and I said, hey, uh, brother, uh, this is uh, food uh, that we're giving away that we just want to bless you with. Uh, I would love to connect with you or just hear your story. Uh, what you uh, don't know about this man, his name is Muhammad, faithful, uh, faithful uh, Muslim brother. Uh, he invited me into his home. He invited me into his home. He said, let my wife uh, make us some tea and let us sit down, uh, which uh, for me, it was crisscross applesauce. It hurt my knees. Uh, but we sat uh, crisscross applesauce uh, on the uh, carpet, and he was just talking about life. And I was hearing his story. We're talking about his struggle, that uh, he moved uh, not from Syria, but from a different country in the Middle East. And he said, hey, we're the only family uh, of uh, my bigger family that's here. A lot of people weren't able to get out. Uh, so I'm hearing his story, and I'm listening. Listening, and he goes and says, uh, Brother, uh, are, are you religious? I said, Yes, brother, I am religious. I, I believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? He said, Of course. Of course, I believe in Jesus. He's a great teacher. And I told him, I said, No, 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 I think he's more than just a great teacher. I believe that he's Lord. I believe that he is savior. And in that moment, I was like, here we go. It's that, that moment where here we go. A gospel conversation is about to happen, about to tell him about my Jesus. And in fact, I did get to tell him about my Jesus. I told him about just uh, what he'd done and how like, we're, we're great sinners and how we are, we're broken and we need God to do something because there's gonna be no way for us. But Jesus came and came down to be with us to show what full humanity looks like. But not only did he encounter death and paid the price, but he's risen again, brother. He's risen. He goes and says, well, that's great. Praise the Lord. 
And after that moment, he didn't respond to the gospel. He continued just to thank, uh, thank the Lord uh, for just faith. And I thought in my moment, like, did I do something wrong? Why didn't he respond to the gospel? As I left that place and just appreciated the hospitality of my brother Muhammad, Holy Spirit made it very clear. I just wanted you to be obedient. I just wanted you to be obedient. I'm going before. I just wanted you to be obedient. You know, revival is disruptive. Obedience is disruptive. It does something in our scheduled routines that we weren't expecting. And that was happening in me when I was sent in obedience to recognize again that it's not me that saves, but thanks be to God, it is Jesus who saves. Holy Spirit who goes before. And it is not on me to save. It's not my responsibility, but out of God's grace, he continues to be with our brothers and sisters. Uh, So as we talk about such a time as this, I want us to think about these three verses, that the harvest is plentiful. The point one that I want us to think about is this. We can't stay. We can't stay. When I was at Asbury this week, if you didn't already know, a lot of you all uh, probably know by now, but there's revival breaking out. Yes, I'll call it revival. There's revival breaking out at Asbury. But when I was in the auditorium, I woke up really early in the morning uh, just to be uh, with the people that were there. What was so fascinating when I was talking with some of the college students and talking to some of the professors, I had conversations uh, and listened to conversations uh, of people that were outside uh, and just waiting. They said, hey, we can't stay here. we got to bring this to our town. we got to go and proclaim the gospel we got to go live sent. we got to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. It's not just happening here. we got to believe it for our own places and our own towns. And that's what I love about getting into this text is that there is something that Jesus is doing. He's modeling for us that to live sent means that we can't just stay in the places that we are. Um, as some of you know, today is Transfiguration Sunday, and I love that in this story, uh, right before Luke chapter 10, Jesus goes up to the mountain uh, with uh, some of his friends. Uh, and if you turn to Luke chapter 9, just a chapter before, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 29, I want you to see what's happening uh, in, in verse 29. It says this, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were in a deep sleep. And when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. And the two men were standing with him. As the two men were departed from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, is it good for us to be here? Let us set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing that what he was saying. While he was saying this, a cloud appeared and overshadowed them. They became afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They kept silent and at that time told no one what they had seen. Verse 37, the next day when they came down from the mountain, 
a large crowd met with him. Before we can even think about how the harvest is plentiful, we can't stay in the places where we've experienced God's glory. We got to go. We got to go. Peter is stuck on this moment, stuck on capturing the glory of God, stuck on trying to routinize the glory of God. But one thing is for sure, and there's something that you need to hear about this moment that we're experiencing together. We do not control what is holy, but we respond to what is holy by saying, we're going to listen to Jesus. We're going to listen to Jesus. The first thing the Heavenly Father said when they're caught up in glory, when they're caught up in this big revival moment, is that the Heavenly Father gently says, listen to him. Signs of revival moves from listening to Jesus. Listening to Jesus. And some of you might have grown up in a very charismatic background. I did not. I grew up in a Southern Baptist background, and I'm loving this. Some of you might be revival fatigued, or some of you might be revival fueled. But one thing I want you to know right now is that we cannot stay on the mountain, CIL Church. We cannot stay on the mountain anymore. Because if Jesus stayed on the mountain, then Jesus wouldn't have gone to Calvary. We can't stay on the mountain Because we are called to go to the streets. We're called to go to our neighborhoods. We can't stay on the mountain. And this is what Jesus is modeling for us. He himself postured, I'm not going to stay on the mountain. Because there's another mountain i got to go to. So Jesus is posturing himself in this before Luke chapter 10. So he's not just saying the harvest is plentiful, go. As if he's not going. But he's modeling it. For us himself. Which leads me to my second point. We prepare the way. We prepare the way. I love in Luke chapter 10, just looking up at this this setup here. The Lord appointed 72 people. Can I tell you who those 72 people are? They're ordinary people. They do not have seminary degrees. They didn't spend thousands of dollars on seminary degrees. They're ordinary people. They're cooks. They're fishermen. They're people that are just walking around. These are the 72 that the Lord appointed. So being sent doesn't mean that you have to have all the credentials. Just being sent means that you listen to Jesus. So these are the 72 people. And what I love about these 72 people is that Jesus knows that even while being sent, community matters. So he sends them two by two. Some of us know this passage very well because two weeks ago we, we talked about it in our 242 groups. And I love that one of our young professionals in our young professional 242 group said that, hey, uh, Jesus is sending uh, them two because where there are two or three are gathered, Jesus is with them. So I love that Christian community is already cultivated in being sent by Jesus. But check this out. He sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. What I love about this is that we are sent to go ahead of Jesus, to prepare the way for Jesus. Friends, it ain't Easter Sunday, but it's still Sunday. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and we are sent to prepare the way For Jesus, because he is coming. He is coming back, and he's coming back in glory. And he said that you go ahead of me. Go ahead of me in these places, because I'm going to those places. So go ahead, CIL Church. Go ahead in Hendersonville. 
Go ahead in Gallatin. Go ahead in Westmoreland. Go ahead in Portland. Go ahead in Nashville. Because Jesus is coming to those places. So go ahead. Go ahead. You don't have to be all together. You don't have to be a scholar. You just got to listen to me. And that's what I love about just this this community that he is creating, a community that listens to him and a community that is just, I'm going to go before Jesus. I'm going to go. Which leads me to my third point, which we're going to camp out in for just a second. We got to go. The third point is we got to go. We got to go. You know what go is in the Greek? Go. We got to go. That's what I love. It's Jesus' commands. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you need a reminder of what go means, here's a simple acronym. Go. Get out. Go. Go. We can't stay here. We got to prepare the way. In John chapter 4, I love this story. Um, in light of this, this harvest uh, that Jesus is talking about. In John chapter 4, he's talking about the harvest. And specifically, uh, it's John chapter 4, verse 27. I had to look back at my notes there. John chapter 4, verse 27. Pay attention to the story, friends, because the word of God renews our life. Not Jacob's words, the word of God. So hear, hear this story from John chapter 4 about the harvest. John chapter 4, verse 27, which a little bit of context, I need to, I have to share this part, a little bit of context. Jesus had to go into Samaria. And a lot of preachers, when they talk about this woman, they do a really bad job of humanizing this woman. They just do. But this is a woman that I want you to hear. She is beloved by our Jesus. She is beloved by our Jesus. So Jesus is having a conversation with her and Jesus uh, just loves on her and she gets so captivated. She experiences revival. And then his disciples started talking to him. So that's the context of John chapter four, verse 27. So here's verse 27. Just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar. Then the woman left her water jar and went into town and told the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. The the disciples said to one another, could someone eat? Could someone have brought him something to eat? Finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. 
For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you did not labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said. When she testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And I love what Jesus says. And he says it with such tenacious solidarity with the church. He says, open your eyes. See the harvest right in front of you. The harvest is happening because I have sown the seed. I have sown the seed of the word of God. The harvest is plentiful. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. When we're given a new heart, when we're given a pure in heart, you know how a heart stays healthy? It keeps moving. It keeps moving. We have been revived so that we can go. We have been revived so that we can go and share the gospel. We have been revived so that we can go and make disciples. We have been, revival happens for the purposes of awakening. And people run to a harvest if they are hungry for it. There aren't going to be people who run to a harvest if they ain't hungry. But people do run to a harvest if they are hungry for it. And CAL Church, that's my question for us this morning. Are you hungry for it? Are you hungry for it? Because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. He says in verse three, now go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That's a really intimidating verse. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves, but I want a reframe for just a second. You know what a lamb is? It's a baby sheep. You know what Jesus says about himself to sheep? He's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. So yes, he's sending us as lambs among wolves, but he's sending us knowing that he is the good shepherd who's always going to be with us. He says that in the gospel of John, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep, even in the midst of wolves. So brothers and sisters, whatever the wolf is in your life, know that the good shepherd is with you. There's no excuses to not share about the good news of our Jesus. There's no excuses. It's a responsibility of the local church. But the beautiful part is, that's in light of what he, com that he commissioned in Matthew 28, that he's going to be with us to the very end of the age. So yes, go Go, get out, go, 
We can't stay here. Go. We have to prepare the way. Go. One of the most beautiful things that I saw when I was at Asbury, I was up uh, in the pews up on the uh, second level, and I saw a bunch of these college students and how they were just laying hands on each other, just confessing their sin, just confessing their sin. Jesus, if you don't do it, no one else is going to do it. If you don't heal me, no one's going to heal me. If you can't save me, no one's going to save me. They were just praying over each other. And that same group, I ended up finding out that they were from Wheaton. And as I heard them talk about it, as we were taking a little bit of a break, because yes, even through uh, revivals, you got to take a break some, uh, for just a second. They were just talking about how they can't wait to go back to their hometown. They can't wait to go back to Wheaton and believe for it, to believe for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit right where they are. So are you believing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit right where you are? Because he's calling us to go. Are you believing, if your parents, are you believing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit of your home? Believe for it. Pray for it. Workers, school teachers, are you believing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit where you work at your school? Believe for it. Pray for it. Are you hungry for it? Run to it. Run to the harvest. Men, men of God, we can't stay where we are. We got to grow. We got to go. We got to lead. We got to repent of our sin. We got to repent of whatever sexual sin there is, whatever type of abuse there is. We got to repent of those things because we don't have time for these silly, youthful games anymore. We got to go. What I loved about being at Asbury is I saw my generation. I saw my generation leading on the platform. And then as they opened up the doors, you had people from all ages, from the youngest child to the oldest saint. And it hit me. It struck me in a moment. This isn't about the next generation, but like what I said earlier, it's about the now generation. We're not waiting anymore. These children said, we're not waiting anymore. We want to worship our God. These older saints, he said, you know, that God moved then, but God's moving now. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. I'm going to go. You are a part of the now generation. We all share this moment together, believing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I love uh, in the, uh, at Asbury, it's a part of the Wesleyan tradition. And there's this great quote by John Wesley that is up here uh, on, on the screens. It's just a really great quote. He says, I continue to dream and pray about a revival of holiness in our day that moves forth in mission and creates authentic community in which each person can be unleashed through the empowerment of the Spirit to fulfill God's creational intentions. That's what happens when revival comes, is that it leads to us living sense. It leads to us creating authentic community. Revival is not just a quick run. It's, a, it's not a marathon. I mean, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. 
where we're walking together, praying together. And I want us to see, don't miss this moment. We ought to be praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We ought to be repenting as soon as Jesus says, go. And we should listen to him. We should listen to him. In recent, uh, in recent days, I, I had a, a vision um, where I, I was believing uh, for just, just a move of God in Sumner County. It was a vision of, uh, of seeing young professionals and seeing uh, our church just loving on their neighbors. Our, our Awana kids learned about that this past Wednesday. Uh, it was just, it wasn't anything crazy. There was no smoke. There was no any big lights. It was just loving on our neighbors and from loving on neighbors. It turned into the most beautiful awakening where it couldn't be manufactured, but it was just so homey. So me and my neighbor, Nick, um, Nick uh, lives to the right of us uh, when we just moved into our house. I said, hey, Nick, I want to believe for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Windsong. That's our neighborhood. I want to believe for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Windsong. Do you mind prayer walking with me? He said, I've never done it before, but I'm open to it. Let's do it. So we began to prayer walk over our neighborhood. And you know what we found? As we were praying for the homes and we were praying for people, neighbors came up to us. Neighbors came up to, to us, started telling us their story, started telling us what they do, telling, asking us, what are you doing? We said, we're believing for God to impact our neighborhood. We're believing for God to impact our neighborhood. Friends, what I want to encourage you with is that Holy Spirit is already moving in our midst. He is already moving in our midst. The harvest is plentiful. But will we say yes to walking with him? Because in order to say yes, we have to repent. We have to repent of the the rhythms and lifestyles that have been distracting us and leading us to not say yes. It's an utter dependence on Jesus. And that's what I encountered in recent days, even for myself. Jacob, do you utterly depend on Jesus? In the most precious moment, the Lord was leading me just to remember again how precious his gospel is. That Jacob, you don't have to do another thing for me to already love you. CIL Church, you don't got to do another thing for Jesus to already love you. That that moment right before he went to Golgotha, he was thinking of us. I love you. I want you. And that is why we say yes to the harvest. That's why we say yes of going into the fields. That's why, because this is a movement of love. So as we prepare to come to the table, I want us to think about these things. The first thing is, in what way have you been just staying in the rhythm of life and not saying yes to what God has for you? As Pastor Aubrey was led earlier to saying that that same thing. In what way have you just been staying and not saying yes? 
And then before we come to the table, in what way can you go? In what way can you live sent? In what way can you share the gospel with your neighbors? Yes, for such a time as this. But before we come to the the table to take communion, there's one thing I also want us to think about. Don't just come to the table to take communion. Come to the table to have communion. So many times we go through the rhythm of just taking the bread and taking the cup and just go back to our seat and not live sent because we don't come up here and actually have communion. Have communion with God. The harvest is plentiful, but you know what happens when the harvest is is picked too early? The fruit tastes all salty and bitter. So don't go to the harvest without having communion with God. Because that's the best part. It's just to have communion with him.